What do you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica. Meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Mortada El Fadl. Welcome to Sundays with Kate, the podcast series about the films of Kate Blanchett. This is your host, Murtada El Fadl. And guys, I've been promising you that we're going to cover Carol for a very long time. I was a little bit trepidatious because I love this movie so much, but I also feel that it's a movie that's been covered by everyone so deeply, so intimately, so intricately. Um, even myself, I've written about it. I've written about Kate and Carol. I've talked about it on this podcast, even though there was no episode designed to be ever about Carol. And so I was like, what is, what is there more? Is there more to say? What is there to say? And guess what? It's all about the guest, who you get and who is going to add the new thing. So I'm excited to welcome for the first time on Sundays with Kate, filmmaker Luke Willis. Luke, welcome <laughs> to Sundays with Kate. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to be talking about Kate Blanchett and Carol. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in that lead up. <laughs> no pressure at all. I will do my best to be original. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> We, we will figure it out together. Um, and first, I usually start with my guests to ask them about Kate Blanchett. Um, do you remember the first time you saw her in a film or? I mean, absolutely. Duh. It was Elizabeth. I mean, <laughs> like I was high school. I was in theater school. And that year, first of all, was like an epic year of movies. Great movies came out that year. And Elizabeth, right at the top. You know, and that performance, it was like, who is that? May I please worship her? I know. I felt the same way. I was, it was Elizabeth too for me. And it was just like, who, yeah, who is this? And where does she come from? It was such a, like, a star is born moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and then playing Elizabeth and then with Joseph Fines and just like, it was so great. What a great movie. I might have to rewatch it after we do this podcast. Yes. <laughs> we, or you can also listen to the, we have two episodes on Elizabeth on this podcast. Um, and so we're talking about Carol, um, which a lot of people mm. who come on the podcast say it's their favorite Kate Blanchett film or favorite Kate Blanchett performance. It's always mm. up there when people talk about the best that she's done. And Luke, what is your favorite Kate Blanchett? performance gosh that's so difficult because i i feel like i love so many of them for so many different reasons she's you know while she's always kate blanchett she's also so much of a chameleon so like i feel like she's always playing something so different um and that's partly why i just adore her the um Oh, why does this name always, I always forget the name of the movie where she plays the clairvoyant and it's the murder mystery where she put in, she's in the swamps of the south. Oh, the gift. Yes. The gift. Oh, 
that is such a great performance. And it's like so just wildly different from anything she's ever done. I also thought like Blue Jasmine was phenomenal. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Performance. Yes. I I vacillate between Blue Jasmine and Carol. Like one day it's Blue Jasmine is my favorite. The next day it's Mm -hmm. Carol is my favorite. Yeah. Carol is pretty wild. Um, It's so, it is so beautiful and powerful for so many reasons and um and exhilarating it's such an exhilarating story between and then the chemistry between those two actors it's just it's on fire it's really it's really phenomenal and it really is them like there's nothing there's no plot devices there's no you know pyrotechnics there's there's nothing it's really just them and so that is really it's a super impressive performance so we'll get into the chemistry between Kate and Rooney Mara and Carol. But before we get there, um, I just want to set it up for the audience. So we are in, this is the final season of Sundays with Kate. We have covered almost all of Kate Blanchett's movies. Um, we have just a few to cover this season, including Carol, plus the two movies she made this year, which are Nightmare Alley and Don't Look Up. Um, if you're listening to this, hopefully you've already checked our episode on Nightmare Alley, which was released last week. And for Carol, instead, we're going to do a miniseries, same as we did with Blue Jasmine, but instead of doing it over three episodes, um, simul- you know, one after the other, we're going to do four or five episodes, depending on the guests I'm getting. I'm trying to find some amazing guests like Luke. Um, and we're going to sprinkle them throughout this last season of Sundays with Skate. So today, this is the first episode we're doing about Carol, and there will be three or four more, and they will be sprinkled throughout the season. Um, So get ready. We're diving deep into Carol. Um, So Carol is directed by Todd Haynes. It is based on the novel by Patricia Highsmith, written by Phyllis Nodge. It was released in 2015 and rocked everybody's world. Um, (laughs) I remember the movie premiered at Cannes in May, and I remember that um, I was just glued to Twitter that day, just looking at reactions about Carol, because um, I love Todd Haynes. I have loved all of his movies. He's made one movie with Kate before this, which was um, I'm Not There. And when this movie was announced, I, you know, just was waiting for it uh, breathlessly. Maybe for two years it got delayed um, a little bit. And then finally it came and it's pulled in Cannes. And then I was lucky to actually see it just a couple of months after that in a test screening. Um, and then... I saw it so many times when it was playing at the Paris Theater in New York. Um, so, Luke, let's start there. Do you um, tell me, you talked about the chemistry between Kate and Rooney, but what's your Im- first impression about Carol? My first impression is, gosh, it's it's such a... It's so alive. It's such a... Uh, universal love story right it's this um you can't help but just like your heart aches for these two characters you feel the visceral longing which Mm -hmm. you know no matter what no matter what background you are whether you're gay straight um or trans or anything you like anyone who loves understands that sense of longing Mm-hmm. And there's that, you know, I gosh, the um, the sense of how do you 
how do you turn like a glance across a room at someone, you know, locking eyes with someone you're attracted to Mm -hmm. watching that become love is just such an exciting and beautiful thing to watch. And I think, um, I think when you find, when you find actors that, that can do it in such a, such a way that feels so honest and they, they grapple with all of the, um, all of the insecurities that come with allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to yeah. fall in love. Yeah. Uh, it just becomes, you know, we all, you can't help but admire that bravery mm-hmm. um, in the, in that journey. And yeah. I think this is just so wonderful. I also think it's just so wonderful to see it, um, to see it as a lesbian story, because I feel like we've seen this a lot. There's a lot there. Well, not a lot, not nearly enough for the LGBT Never enough. Yeah. At all. Not nearly <laughs> enough. <laughs> I do feel like it, you know, these love stories tend to swing in the male, like the, the male homosexual, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of those in that genre. Um, and we don't have a lot of really um, wonderful lesbian love stories, at least ones that, you know, shy away from the, that sort of um, fetishization of lesbians by the male mm-hmm. gaze. Yes. Um, but I also, what really I love about this is that, you know, all of the gay movies, um, they end in heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this one doesn't. And I yeah. just, I cannot tell you how much joy that feel fills me with to yeah. see that, that they make this choice. They make the most terrifying choice. And yet it's like, you can't help but rejoice that they would do that. Yeah, it's a promise, right? Like uh, we, you know, we're starting at the end, but I think that's beautiful because the ending is really what makes this movie special. I mean, even Patricia Highsmith talked about it when she wrote the book, she wanted to make sure to write a book that ended where, you know, none of the women died or were put in an institution. Like that was a guiding sort of for, a force for her to write the story. And it doesn't end, you know, it, the ending is just a promise of maybe we'll make it. Maybe tomorrow is a better day. It's just the right hint of hope, just a little bit of hope and a little smile from Kate to sort of like end this wonderful story. And it, I think the ending is, mm. is really beautiful. Um, and also it's sort of heartbreaking when, when you start to watch this movie and the first scene, you know, the movie starts with that guy entering into the plaza and then he sees Therese and interrupts them. And it's so heartbreaking when, you know, almost two hours later we get back, we get back to that same bit and the interruption comes right after Carol says to her, I love you. And Therese doesn't even have a second to respond before the interruption. Um, so intense. It is so intense. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy because like at the, at the beginning, you're like, oh God, who did they kill, right? Like this is an <laughs> awkward thing to interrupt. And then you get to that moment in the end of the movie and you're like, no, he's coming. He's coming. You know he's coming. And it's so, and the whole that whole interaction between those two women, you know, that boy is coming and you're like, God, what if he, you know, you're like hoping for sliding doors that maybe he didn't come this time and they yes. like managed to work it out. And then oh, you're, it's just, it's, it, it kills and it kills in her reaction because then, you know, you watched her leave 
the mm-hmm. drinks before and say, no, go have fun. And so like the whole time, you know exactly what she's about to do and how she's about to act, how she's about to put that mask back on and put that shield back up. And you're like, don't, don't, don't. Cause yeah. you're so close. You're right there. You're all, you're almost there. And it also just makes, you know, as many times I've seen this movie, it just makes the sort of like, heartache comes right at the beginning like because you he's right there at the beginning and you remember what he's interrupted um but when you when i think about this movie i think about it as a series of six big set pieces or big sort of meetings between carol and therese as they are telling us this this love story and so let's, so the, the, the six main set pieces in my mind, and tell me if you agree, Luke, are they're meeting at the department store where Carol Obviously. leaves her gloves there. Um, <sighs> so gorgeous. Then Therese visiting Carol in New Jersey for Christmas mm-hmm. on the 21st. Um, and then the roof over um, Therese's apartment where they decide to go on the trip together. Then Waterloo, yeah. which is, you know, when they consummate the love. <laughs> <laughs> and then yep. the gun scene, you know. Chicago. Movie, is that yeah, Chicago? Yeah. I think it's uh-huh. Chicago, yeah. So this is a movie that introduces a Chekhov gun that actually never goes off. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then the final one, which is what which was just we were talking about. They're meeting in the plaza and the oak. And then Therese following Carol into the oak room and the end of the movie where they get together. Oh, wow. So wow. The first, it's, it's just all these scenes, all, all these set pieces, because they're more than just scenes are just so, so wonderful. So the first one is um, the, the department store. And this one is so, um, there's so many details in it that um, I just love. This is a movie sort so rich with details. There's so many details in this one because they're flirting, um, but they're also just talking about trains and dolls and how Christmas makes Carol nervous because she's afraid of burning the turkey. <laughs> you know, they talk about everything except all what they're feeling for each other, which is even from oh, that yeah. very first moment a lot. Oh, yeah. You know what? I actually was thinking about this. There's a great line, the friend who um, later on hits on Therese, that's like the movie, he's like the the other artist. And he, um, when they're watching that movie, Therese, uh, her fiance, or would want to be fiance, and mm-hmm. the friend, they're watching the movie. And the friend is like, you know, taking notes. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm mapping out what they're saying versus what they're actually feeling and thinking. <laughs> yes. And it made me think of like my own, like how I write screenplays. And when I do dialogue, my first draft is like, is exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And then my Mm -hmm. second draft is like, I go through and I change every line to the complete opposite because like, there's this, you know, there is this reality that characters are never actually saying what they're thinking and feeling. And I, Mm -hmm. when I, I saw this and this all clicked for me around my love of Kate Blanchett because she is a master at the subtext. I mean, she she's a master at language, right? She can say, I mean, you can write the most awkward line and and she will perform it and you it's it's brilliant. 
right? And it it's so loaded and she's found all of that texture to it. And it's it's like, there's this part of her that has always got like, there's, it's like almost like the opposite is always going on inside of her from what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and this scene totally exemplifies that. But I, I think that what's, what's even so special about this scene is, is that they reveal to each other through, through talking about trains and dolls, yes. they reveal to each other that they don't fit into this, to the, this like normative that they're being forced to operate with them. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. They talk about trains and dolls and really what they're saying is like, Oh, I don't belong here with all these women shopping for their kids either. Like neither yeah. of us belong here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful way to look at it. And and then, you know, and then she leaves her gloves. And this the scene is so wonderful in that all these things that they're talking about, it's not what they're feeling, but then everything they're feeling is in the eyes, which goes back to that smoldering chemistry between oh. Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Um, um, so I asked her, um, I was at the premiere of, when Carol played the New York Film Festival and, you know, I just raised my hand, I want to ask Kate Blanchett a question. Um, <laughs> and I should always do when in the presence of Kate Blanchett, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Um, I haven't been in the present in her presence since, but hopefully soon. Um, so I asked her, "How is she so perfect in this film?" You know, I was I was trying to be more articulate than that, but that's how the question came out anyway. Um, um, and then she said, it's in the gaze into Rooney's eyes, which was her answer, which is so true. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of like exemplified by this scene. This is the first time they mm-hmm. set that up for us. It's really, it's really powerful. I mean, some of the, some of the stuff that she does with her face is so subtle in this movie. I mean, we are in the close-up so much of this movie and we are in Kate's close-up for so much of this movie. And it's like, there yeah, there are these moments that, you know, were, they speak so loudly and it's a, it's a very, it's barely even a facial movement on her face. And it's like, she's screaming. It's so, it's really powerful. Um, So the first time when I saw this film, when I, you know, it's a film starring Kate Blanchett directed by Todd Haynes. So I was ready to fall in love with it no matter what. But the first time I saw it, the moment that I knew, oh, this movie is so special is the car ride into New Jersey when Carol picks Therese mm. and they're in that, in Carol's car. And then the sort of like, we don't hear their conversation. The, the sound goes down and the screen floods right. with green as they are in yeah. the tunnel and they put on the, the radio. And then it also cuts back a little bit to Therese and the present framing device and then back to the tunnel it's like a dream like a memory and I just remember it's like somebody found a way to visualize falling in love and it's just it's so that I love that like visually I think that's the strongest bit of the movie it's so powerful I mean there's some really I mean I also really love the um the cab in the beginning and the end with the water like dripping Mm -hmm. down it too it's also very like that like like barricaded behind that is another empower, like very powerful visual moment I that of them being separated mm-hmm. and um and Rooney Rooney Mara's character being really lost about okay. what to do yeah yeah and 
but like yeah. you're there's something so great about when they're in the tunnel and when they're headed to New Jersey because it's like I think about when I fell in love with my partner and how I have no frigging clue what we ever talked about but I yeah. very much remember being by his side in these moments when I was being flooded with that adrenaline and that serotonin <laughs> that's happening and it's like you you're it's like your whole body vibrates when you're in the presence of this person mm-hmm. and i told and like that's what that accomplished for me right mm-hmm. was that like yeah they could be talking about anything it doesn't matter no it's all about that like they are they are vibrating like yeah. their energy together are just kind of hitting each other in the right place and they are uh it's such a wonderful scene and todd haynes always sort of um, in all his movies, like if you think of Far From Heaven, if you think mm-hmm. of Faith, um, he always has, he always is able to tell us internal stories of the lives of women, um, which is, you know, not a lot of people do. Um, and this time he had two instead of one. Yeah. Usually he just has one. Um, but this time, <laughs> this time he had two and he was just able to tell us this just wonderful love story. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about Kate. Um, so her look in this film is very specific. So mm-hmm. I think it's, to me, it's, it's what I think of when I think of Kate, you know, is very glamorous. Um, although, mm-hmm. you know, very glamorous, very femme. Um, you know, she's very blonde. The hair is blonder than it's ever been on any other film. The lipstick yep. is redder than it's been in any other film. Um, yeah. The All the costumes are just so, you know, perfectly streamlined to her body. Everything is, is perfection. And I think this sort of talks to the rigidity of Carol's life, the sort of box she is in as a, you know, a sophisticated mm-hmm. um, housewife in the 1950s, but also it talks to how Therese sees her as the epitome of womanhood, if you want to call it femininity, or just, you know, as her object of desire. Um, right. What do you think of the look, Luke? I mean, if I'm being really honest, I saw it was my grandma. I she came, I mean, the first image of her, maybe not the first image. Yeah, it was the first image of her, but especially the second one at the train, at the the model train. I was like, that is my grandma. That is the photos of my grandma. That is how my grandma poised herself until the very last day. I mean, mm. that was, and my grandma was, she was not the perfect housewife. She was the one that loved to stir things up a little bit. She always loved to, she was the one with the, that smoked. She was the first one with sunglasses, you know, sunglasses kind of yeah, yeah. thing in the fifties. And so like, there's that scene where Carol's even walking around with the sunglasses and no one else on the street, not a single person has sunglasses. Yeah, um, that's just so great. She's always the most sophisticated. <laughs> she is always the most progressive, sophisticated, stylish. And like, <laughs> I mean, there is just something so, um, it's so my grandma. My grandma was also this like tall, 
um, platinum, like six foot tall, platinum blonde woman who always wore, you know, she wore the bright red lipstick and Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, Maybe it was the idealized version of what I imagine my grandma was like in the 50s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's certainly Um, playing an idealized version of a 1950s woman. Yes. And so because of the movie setting is in 1952, because, you know, it's a Todd Haynes movie and he's known for doing period pieces because of all, you know, you know, Kate's performance has sort of been compared to a lot of the stars of the golden era of Hollywood. And so me, when I was like thinking about this movie, I couldn't really pinpoint who she's coming, who she's reminded me of, because she's always, you know, Kate and Carol is always just a little bit more than another star. Not that I'm saying that she is better than all of them. What I'm saying is that in this <laughs> performance, <are> you? <laughs> maybe I am, you know, in this performance, she's giving us, you know, your heart, it's hard to pin down one. Because when I think of her, I think of a, a softer Joan Crawford, um, a more sophisticated Betty Davis, um, uh, a more femme Catherine Hepburn, because she yeah, drips totally. with femininity. And like maybe the closest she, come, she comes to is Marlena Dietrich, but American. So even with Marlena Dietrich, it's mm. not entirely there because she's American. So anyway, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had the same, I had the same like issue. I couldn't, you know, you, you sent me that, that question and I was like, I don't, I was like trying to like rack my brain. I went on the internet and I was like, <laughs> she is, she's all of these women. Mm-hmm. but she's none of them right yeah. and it's yeah and it is i mean she has she has created her own her she's become her own icon she is her own thing right mm-hmm. she is all of those women and yet she is completely unique and individual in what she's brought to the world of cinema and i actually think of her as like one of the few like surviving movie stars like i feel like movie stars are so different than they used to be even as as recently as the 90s right yeah movie totally. them, i think especially since we since social media um mm-hmm. and since social media has changed the whole world of, of fame i think that movie stars are no longer they're no longer the same thing and in part maybe it's because there's not so much mystery maybe the other part is because they don't hold the place of fame because it's like social media people are now world mm-hmm. more famous than actors. But like um, Kate Blanchett is one of those people working now in Hollywood. And I'm like, oh no, she is an all-time movie star. She still, mm-hmm. to me, maintains the title of movie star. Yeah. Right. Which so few totally. of the working actors, I think, are movie stars, really. Yes. I mean, they're all fantastic. They can be super talented and really wonderful people that I admire, but like there's that extra level of something where you create, where you create your own, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, she created her own identity, her own brand, her own, like, mm-hmm. you know. I think thing. it's, and there is also just something always unknowable. There's always a mystery to yes. her. Like she's, yes. she is not as available as people are expected to be these days. But also mm. even in, in her performances, even in something like Carol, there is always this little mystery to what she's giving us. Like she never laid yeah. all of her cards on the table. You can never know 
100% of the character. There is always something held back a little, which just makes you want to look deeper into what's totally. happening. Totally. I mean, even in that vulnerable moment when she says, I love you, and her voice cracks, and then yeah. it's like instant, boom. You know, like it's like back to back to the like incredibly deep, like, you know, uh, complex character with a lot of, you know, barriers to the outside world, which is, by the way, that's that's who we all are. Right. That's what makes it. We want to see a character like that. We don't want to see a character who wears everything out on their sleeve because it's like, well, who has the privilege of doing that and not getting and surviving in this world? Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's that, and it's that subtext, right? Like that's what brings her that subtext is that mystery is that like, we can't quite, we're looking and we're watching and we're like, Ooh, what was, wow. Okay. Like she said a lot more after she finished the line. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. Um, I, I love this film so much. We've already talked a little bit. Um, and every time I talk to someone about it or I watched it and I was, you know, I watched it twice to talk to you. Like the first time I watched it, really mm-hmm. watched it. I put it on and watched it. And then today, as I was just preparing to talk to you, I put it on in the background and there are still scenes that come in that sort of like brings me back. Oh, no, no, no. I need to watch this one. So the second time I watched it, I was just struck by, we all know her chemistry with, with Rooney Mara is off the charts and like everything is mm-hmm. in the face and in the eyes. But kind of what struck me is the chemistry she has with Sarah Paulson um, as Abby. And it's oh. sort of like this sort of very well, chore- it's not choreographed, very well drawn friendship of like, they're not in that many scenes together. Sarah Paulson only has a few scenes, but you, every interaction between them, there is like a history and you know that these two women have known each other all their lives and they have so much together just by the way they interact, sort of like the, the comfortable body language around each other, the holding hands yeah. in a sexual way, but also such a loving way the way they're able to tease each other, which is of course coming from the script, but it's just enhanced by the performances. What what do you think of that look? So amazing. I mean, I think that they did such an incredible job at, and I mean, I think Sarah Paulson really delivered on this. The best friend, I I, I don't want to say gay best friend because that is a term that means something else, but like in the the queer community, like Mm -hmm. they only had each other. There yeah. was no queer community and, mm-hmm. and whatever queer community existed was unavailable to them as upper class, you know, um, housewives and women yes. of that were stuck in these little glass, ha- glass houses. So, so I thought that they did such an incredible job at, at tackling the, like, of course they were lovers at one point mm-hmm. because who else could they be lovers with? Right? Yeah, totally. Right. Nobody else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. There was nobody else. But then there's this element of them that's like, but we, but like, they both understand that there was never the same, like, that, like, they never had a scene of, of driving through the tunnel where everything goes green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Totally. They had a scene where they just realized they were lesbians and they didn't know any other lesbians. So they made out. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's so different than when you're like next to the person that makes your skin come alive and like Mm -hmm. you're aware of like every millimeter of movement that they make in any direction every breath they take you're like aware you're overthinking it you're like 
you know, so tuned in. They never had that, but they have such a great love and appreciation for each other as friends. And I, um, even though they have a sexual history and I thought they did such a magnificent job at, at tackling that. And I'm sure, I I don't know, Sarah Paulson, I'm about to project something, but onto (laughs) her, but I can assume that she has lived this, that there is someone in her life Mm -hmm. that is very much that person. Mm-hmm. right that is very yeah, like totally um like i i kind of i would love to have been a fly on the wall when they were working on these because i i like to imagine that kate like sat down with sarah and was like fill me in tell me everything <laughs> yes. you know who are these women to each other yeah. like what is this what is this like like let me in on the secret kind of thing because yeah. that is a that is a wealth of knowledge to tap just in Sarah Paulson's experience alone. And I, I think that they did an incredible job. I will say one, another thing that really stood out to me, but amongst all three women is that like, I kept thinking to myself, wow, this is the cast of cheekbones, man. <laughs> there are some, I mean, there is not a shot cheekbones in it. Yeah. Everywhere. Yes, definitely. Cheekbone, cheekbone. They could have Battle of the Cheekbones, and we will be the totally. winners. <laughs> so, yeah, we need some stunt coordinators in there to make sure they don't turn their head at the wrong moment <laughs> and knock someone out. <laughs> uh, so, I think that sort of struck me uh, if you compare Carol and Abby with Therese, you know, Therese is very naive, but. Carol and Abby have this sort of um, unapologetic acknowledgement that they are queer, you know, in their interactions with Harge, um, in their interactions with each other, that they don't apologize for being queer at all, which is something that comes obviously from the fact that they live through this together. It comes from the fact, you know, that they are older than Therese, but it also comes from the fact, you know, it comes from their privilege as women who are secure and have money exactly um so they they are very unapologetic about it i love to see that and i and i know that the movie sort of doesn't doesn't address the class distinctions between carol and therese beyond that but it does address it in sort of just showing us how naive therese is you know asking her boyfriend if you know you know queer love happens and and when carol you know just telling her husband you know what? I invited the shop girl for, for drinks. Yeah. <laughs> like, which he says to her, that's bold. <laughs> it's great. It's great to see the woman have that power. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Totally. I mean, certainly there is a power struggle and a power dynamic with her family and with, um, with the hu- husband. Is it Harge? Harge. Harge. Um, yeah. Like I, Certainly there's a struggle and he there's a moment when he gets to be on top, but it is so wonderful to see a, you know, a, a lesbian female character start out in a place where she has the, the, the circumstances to be, to be unashamed. I mean, there's a lot of shame in there, right? Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of shame, but that she can project no shame that she yeah. can project like, you know, I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, the white dudes with all the power, you know, running around with mistresses? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're always allowed to talk to the shop girl and bring the shop girl home. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, they're like, we're, they're applauded for it. It's expected of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's so wonderful to see that sort of turned on its head. 
and you're totally on the side of it. Like, you know, there is a sort of loaded sort of like she is um, inviting her into the, into a world where she has all the power. I'm talking about Carol here. She has all yes. the power. But the yeah. movie sort of makes, you know, steps a little bit to tell us not really. This is this is not that. There is a scene in the car later on where they basically it's a scene about consent where Therese says to her, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just offered everything and you know and then carol says to her i took what you offered willingly so that conversation i think is a sly um remark from the filmmakers that this is not a predatory relationship this is not a relationship where one holds the power over the other but there is consent there's give and take right and even in the in the sex scene it's consensual because it's uh it is therese that says take me to bed right and yes so, yes. so it's it's Carol that makes the first move, but it's Therese that provides the consent that then you know allows it to progress. And you're right. I mean, there is also this period where Carol lets her go and and supports it supports Therese's ambitions and and gives her empowers her to be her own woman. I mean, you know, Therese has this journey where she goes from being a little shop girl who is being forced into this, you know, potential betrothal and she gets a camera and she starts pursuing her own art. And then she gets a job with the, with the times. And then, you know, there's that wonderful scene where she's repainting the apartment, which like (laughs) it makes, it makes the scene with Carol very complicated because there's this part of you that says, you know, when they, when they get back together for those, for those drinks. And when Carol says, would you want to move, would you want to come live with me? Um, and I feel like I was conflicted because I was like, but Therese just painted the apartment and she's like, <laughs> finally, like she's finally discovering who she is and what she yeah. wants. Right. How yeah. can she know what she wants if she always says yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> she always orders the same drink and meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's so it's this moment where you see Therese has finally come into her own. And so I think that and I think that when when Therese does make the choice to go back to Carol, like we don't see that Therese decides to move in with her. We just see that she decides to go to the Oak Room. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So we don't see that she ever hands that power back over, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Carol does, you know, Carol, what it, I think she says the words, I release you, mm-hmm. right? And it's in that yeah. interim yeah. period that Therese finds her own empowerment, her own power. And I think that Carol's character is so, is, is always recognizing the power dynamic and is always recognizing the age difference and is, what does she say? There's a mo- there's a line about age where she says something about like you don't understand. You'll understand one day when yeah you're, you're too young. Because in the letter, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's right before she says, "I release you." Then, mm-hmm. yeah, that's in the letter too. Yeah, dearest, there are no accidents. Everything comes full circle. Be grateful it was sooner rather than later. You'll think it harsh of me to say so, but no explanation I offer will satisfy you. Please don't be angry when I tell you that you seek resolutions and explanations because you're young. 
but you will understand this one day. And when it happens, I want you to imagine me there to greet you. Our lives stretched out ahead of us, a perpetual sunrise. But until then, there must be no contact between us. I have much to do, and you, my darling, even more. Please believe that I would do anything to see you happy. So, I do the only thing I can. I release you. My favorite thing about Rooney Mara's performance, I mean, this is the Kate Blanchett podcast, but we can talk about Rooney Mara for a little bit. So, <laughs> what I really loved about her is kind of what you were talking about right now, about her performance, is sort of charting that journey. Like, at the beginning, she's unsure, she's very naive, she's, she's hesitant, she doesn't talk much. Her looks, her eyes are always sort of downcast when she's with Carol, mm-hmm. as if she's stealing glances, doesn't want to, like, look her straight in the eye. You know, that mm-hmm. always sort of gradually changes at the end where, you know, the end scene, she's looking straight at her, um, mm-hmm. straight at her eyes. Her gaze is completely different. And also, it's really well charted by the costume designer, Sandy Powell is a genius in how she dressed Therese at the beginning in sort of um, page boy hats and sort of these big coats and completely unsophisticated. The colors are sort of a little garish. And as the movie sort of progresses and you get to the end, she's very sophisticated. She's a mini Carol, but also um, sort of her own woman. You know, she's, she is, I think, more business, less, um, cocktail hour lady than Carol. So, like, the costumes totally tell you that story along with the performance. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's right. And I, I mean, and it happens, like I said, when she paints those walls, man, that is powerful. She is making changes. Um, there's actually this great moment that I love mm-hmm. so much because it, it sort of foreshadows the journey that's about to, to come. It's like, it's like when they're talking about dolls, it's mm-hmm. the first interaction they have. Mm-hmm. And, and they both realize that they both hate dolls. And there's yeah. this moment where Carol, like Carol asks Rooney Mara what she wants, what she likes. And yeah. it's like, you can tell in the, in that moment that like Therese has never been asked what she likes. Mm-hmm. That question has just never, no one like, um, What's his name? Richard. What's the boy's name? Richard. Richard. He's, <laughs> he's never asked her what she wants. Like, he's ever. just buying her ticket to tickets to go to Europe, trying to we're marry going, her. We're going to Italy together, right? That's what <laughs> you want, because that's what I want. Yeah. I also love that, like, it's the, it's the same actor who uh, did The White Lotus, too. He, play, he comes back and plays that character again in yeah. White Lotus. Take place. At a different time period, but it's, like, not that different. That was his, Richard was his granddad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Direct lineage. (laughs) Totally. I, you know, I just think that there's, that was a wonderful foreshadowing because her eyes do actually look up in that moment. And it's, it's like, uh, it's like her eyes come alive briefly. And then Mm -hmm. she realizes that she's gotten excited about something that she shouldn't have gotten excited about. And she goes back into that, um, that avoiding eye contact thing again, but there's yeah. that moment that I feel like foreshadows the overall journey. That's 
really wonderful. Yeah. So, Luca, um, as you know, I'm from Sudan. So um, I grew up eating completely different food than what people eat here in America. So I wanted to <laughs> ask you, because when Carol orders... Cream spinach over poached eggs. I like, <laughs> thought that was the most disgusting food order ever. I and I'm just it. like, is this what people in America eat? I've lived here for a long time. So I, you know, I know what people eat here, but maybe this is what they ate in the 50s. You know, I think that the 50s were the generation of the eggs Benedict people. Like everyone I know who was like a young adult in the 50s, meaning like my grandmother and her friends, they all love eggs Benedict. They love anything with poached eggs, which is to me, I'm just like, I think it's so gross. <laughs> I've like never liked <laughs> eggs Benedict. Like it's such a funny thing. And then, um, but like, I just, you know, I could see my grandma eating that a thousand percent. Like I'm surprised she never tried to serve that to me, honestly. It totally makes sense to me. You know, my I, I do want to say another really funny thing that my grandma did that I think comes from that time period. She would serve us a dessert that she would call a fried egg. But it was a dessert. So it wasn't actually a fried egg. What it was was a plate of finely spread whipped cream and a halved peach in the middle of it. So it looks like a fried egg. But it's peaches and cream. <laughs> Maybe that's what Carol served Therese after that Christmas. After the eggs and spinach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, it was the Popeye. You know what? It's Popeye generation, isn't it? Isn't that when like Popeye was big? So and yeah. he was all about that spinach, man. Yeah. But, you know, a dry martini was an olive any day. So <laughs> we should have one right after we finish podcasting. <laughs> right. Yeah, one o'clock's not too early, right? <laughs> yes, I, I forgot you're in California. <laughs> it's almost I'm four sure o'clock. Carol, yeah, I'm sure for Carol, one o'clock is the correct hour to begin. So I want to do a little sort of like, this movie, I've seen it so many times that there are so so many memorable um, line readings and, you know, lines that I just recognize. So um, we're going to do a little game where we eliminate um, until we get to the best line in the movie. So I'll say two lines, um, line readings from Kate, and you choose which you prefer until we get to the best line reading um, of the movie. But there is one line that I'm not going to include because it is the most obvious one. If we included it, it will just be the winner. You all know what it is. What a strange girl you are. Why? Long enough space. So, Luke, are you ready? <laughs> I'm nervous, but let's do it. <laughs> okay, so the first two are just when you think it can get worse, you run out of cigarettes. And, you know, everybody... <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like... Totally. I was, I don't smoke. I've never smoked. And I was right there. I was like, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I apologize to the listeners because I can't do Kate Blanchett. So I'm just going to read these. I'm not going to pretend that I can do okay. Kate. So this, uh, the cigarettes one over, ask me things. Which one do you like more? Oh, gosh. Which she says this. that over the phone after Therese leaves. 
ask, no, ask, she, it's, it's so vulnerable. It's so, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, gosh, that's really tough. I'm going to go with ask me things because it's so, um, it's so vulnerable. And it's like her voice, just like her, it, it does something. So I feel like it makes, it's like on multiple levels at, at the same time. You know, I think that I, the, the cigarettes like are so like, I'm with you, girl. But the ask me things is like a crack in the character where I'm like, oh, I love this woman so much. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move from Carolyn Therese to Carolyn Hard and their, uh, you know, battle over the custody of Rindy. And there oh, are yeah. two lines there. Mm-hmm. One is the first one is when she repeats back to the lawyer when he tells her what hard is suing her for and she just drops her voice and says a morality clause so that's number Mm. one and then the one the next one she says she says to hard which is we're not ugly people hard yeah it's definitely we're not ugly people and it's the lines leading up to that too where she stands up and says like (laughs) drop it yo yeah yeah i think i think definitely we're not we're not ugly people oh because she says we're going to go to court because if you don't agree to this, then we will go to court. And when we go to court, things will get ugly and yes. we're not ugly people. Oh yeah, definitely. Hands down. Okay. So then we are on the same bracket. So now you have to choose between we're not ugly people, Harge and ask me things. Oh. <laughs> oh. This is the last one in this bracket. Then we will move to the other bracket. <laughs> Oh, we're not ugly people. Hard is so power. It's like a very empowering moment, but I got to go with ask me things. It's yeah. still that moment that makes me crack. You know, I want to be as vulnerable as her in that moment. Yeah, it's so, it's, I, I love the way that, and you know, she's like, you know, the camera's just on the back of her head and she's on the phone and the cigarette. I mean, before we finish this game, let's just have a moment for every time Kate Blanchett lights a cigarette or takes a drag of it. It's just so, and I'm mimicking that it's right so now. Good. Only Luke can see me, but you know, oh, like <laughs> she is a master. Her body, her voice, like everything she does, it's so, it's so brilliant. Every yes. like cell of her body is brilliant. Yeah. She, she, she is one of those actors who really knows how to use every inch of her body to tell a story. Mm-hmm. It's not just her, it's not just what yeah. she's saying or, you know, her face or eyes. It's everything. Absolutely. There's a moment actually. So as a, you know, I was a, the audience doesn't know, but you know this, that I was a ballet dancer for 12 years uh, with San Francisco Ballet. And I, so I have a great respect for movement and things that are like, difficult to do and mm. there's this moment that i think no one like i think normal people wouldn't recognize but it like has this subconscious like awareness of like what she does she's she's rapping she's trying to rap the train set she's doing a terrible job right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is over at the piano mm. and kate, kate gets excited and bounces up and mm-hmm. she in that tight dress Mm-hmm. in heels or she maybe she's flat actually she's she's barefoot she's but she's in that tight dress she does not use her hands to yes. stand up off the floor and it's like i had a moment where 
I just was like, I kind of like jumped up myself and I was like, holy cow, how did she do that? Yeah. What? It's otherworldly to watch someone do that. And I think it like, it, what's great about it is in that moment, you can see this getting, there was, it was like an otherworldly giddiness that kind mm-hmm. of lifted her off the carpet too. So yeah. it was like, you know, there was a, she, she chose not to use her hands there. Yeah. She was like. I love that moment too. And I have noticed it. And I think when I asked her at that premiere at New York Film Festival, I meant that moment because she is perfect in that moment. But I also think if she had, she had used her hand, it would have sort of broken that perfection that, because at all times in the movie, we're seeing her from Therese's eyes and Therese will not see her do something as ordinary or vulnerable that everybody else can do, like, <laughs> you know, lean on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, she'll just lean and be sideways without any support. And it's, yeah. it makes sense. And you're like, okay, it's Kate Blanchett. She can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love defy, that. Defy physics and just stand up. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought it out. Uh, yeah. I love it. Um, so let's go back to finishing our game. Only a, yes. a couple, a couple more. Yeah. So we're gonna do one uh, from from the sex scene, two from the sex scene. So um, when she first looks at Therese's naked body, she says, mm-hmm. "I never looked like that." And then the next day, when Therese asks her where they are, she says, "Waterloo, isn't that awful?" So which one do you prefer? Oh. <laughs> it's obvious, Waterloo. Duh. That moment is like, I mean, like. It could not be better. That's great. Waterloo, duh. Okay, so now we have Waterloo isn't that awful versus we're not ugly hard. Um, Whoever wins is going to go with the top two that, you know, in my ranking. So, oh, I thought we said ask me things over hard, over work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's ask me things. Oh, duh. I should be taking notes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I got it. Okay, so ask me things over Waterloo isn't that awful. Oh, Waterloo isn't that awful. Or ask me things. Oh, this is tough. You got me to a tough spot. I think I'm going to go with, ah, they're such pivotal moments, both of them. Waterloo isn't that awful. Okay, good. So now because that, it's foreshadowing everything that's about to happen too. Yeah, oh, totally. I, I love oh. it. The thing is with this game, there are no wrong answers because all these line readings, all these line deliveries are fantastic. So um okay. it just gives us a way to talk about them. So the last two are from the beginning of the movie, which is you know, that first scene where they meet in the department store. Um mm-hmm. the first one is one that um that I love just because. Uh, it's the most vulnerable moment for to visualize Carol Miss Perfect doing anything wrong when she says, um, you know, Christmas, when she's talking about Christmas, and then she says, then you end up burning the turkey anyway, which is like, you know, she's like, oh, you know, I'm human too. I burned the turkey, which is kind of why, why I like it. But the other one is the big meme that everybody loves, which is when she leaves and looks back and she says, I like the hat. So which one do you prefer? Oh, I mean, I'm going to go with the turkey. We're just in that season and it's just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Let's go is the turkey. I literally burned like some salmon the other night making, like, making dinner for people. I was like, it was just so, yeah. 
I'm going with the turkey. So for the finale, the turkey or Waterloo? No, it's Waterloo. All right. It's definitely Waterloo. I agree. Waterloo isn't that awful. It's such a great moment because it's, you know, that giddy morning after they're serving the glow. But like you said, it's also foreshadowing all the stuff that's coming. Well, and I, and she thinks it's a joke. You can tell it. She thinks like, you're my weakness. Like there's like this, there's this element to it where she doesn't really realize how defeated she is in that moment because she doesn't know that she was just recorded. Yeah. Um, so listeners, if you agree and love Luke's choice of Waterloo, isn't that awful? Or <laughs> if you disagree, let us know, you know, you can tweet us, comment, um, um, let us know what's your favorite line reading of Kate Blanchett in Carol. <laughs> um, I should also point out that there are some like epic non-lines in this movie too. I yes. think that, and my favorite is actually the last close-up of her mm-hmm. when she sees Therese in the oak, the oak room, the oak room. Yes. That smile. She doesn't even smile. She doesn't even smile, but we see the smile. Yeah. It's, it's like just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't even, it's just so power. It's so real and powerful and glorious. Yeah. Um, a, a favorite moment of mine is sort of, um, well, obviously the ending, but also another one is when she picks up Therese and Richard is being all like protective boyfriend and she just like gives him a mocking salute, you know, she just mm-hmm. does <laughs> as, she's, as she's driving away. She's like, whatever, Richard. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's so great. So many great unspoken moments. Oh, man. Um, I, you know, we can talk about Carol a lot. We can talk about Carol all day. And mm-hmm. we are going to talk about Carol more on this podcast. As I said, we'll have a few more episodes in this last season of Sundays with Kate. But Luke, um, before we go, I want to ask you a couple more questions about Kate Blanchett. Um, okay. So I'll, do you think Kate Blanchett is sort of like, I think, recognized as one of the best actors ever? People love her. She's always, even in movies that, you know, people don't love that much. I've just seen Don't Look Up. I don't think it's a great movie. I'm sorry, everyone who was looking forward to that. Um, oh, no. But, you know, uh, she's still good and watchable, but then I'm biased. But do you think that right. she was ever, um, do you think she was ever underrated? Is there a movie that you love that maybe other people don't love as much that you've watched for her? Well, gosh, you know, I think a lot of people don't know The Gift. Mm, yeah, and it's it, it, it's in my top performances by her, which is yeah. really funny. Um, I, I like I the gift. I like I like her a lot in the gift. You know, she's doing she's doing an accent. She's always great at accents. Um, she's doing a mm-hmm. southern accent as that, and and she's always playing and, something different than than. By the way, as a southerner, I am re- hyper critical of people that do southern <laughs> accents. It you know can be really horrible, and I was like kind of all in with her on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I guess that's what I would say. I don't know. You know, I think there's probably a lot of uh, movies that I haven't seen of hers that are that are those, in fact, underrated movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
we've probably talked about them in this podcast, me and my guests. So <laughs> sure, I'm sure I need to go into the archives and like have a whole month dedicated to catching myself up on some of these things. Um, I'm looking at her IMDb right now just to make sure. Okay. <laughs> oh, like, wait a minute. Eyes wide shut, uncredited voice, mysterious yeah. woman. Yes, this was a story that um, was revealed, like, I don't know, two years ago or something like that on the 20th anniversary or 30th anniversary. I don't know how long ago Eyes Wide Shut was. Um, and apparently she re-recorded um, an actress who didn't have, who was in the orgy. She was one of the women in the orgy at the beginning of the movie who, uh-huh. who didn't sound American because she was British. So they brought in oh Kate Blanchett at Nicole Kidman's recommendation to re-record that voice. Apparently she had a a perfect American accent, even though she's not American. (laughs) (laughs) According to Nicole, of course. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love the judge of perfect American accents is no longer (laughs) up to Americans. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe that's it. Because like, did any of us know? That's wild. It's so funny. I, we, I watched that movie several times, but never knew. I have watched it once after, and frankly, I did not. Like, I was listening. Am I going to recognize Kate's voice? But it's also Kate's voice from 1999. So, you know, mm-hmm. I really didn't. Um, yeah. So we talked about Sarah Paulson and Rooney Mara in this film. Um, who, do you th- who do you think is your favorite scene partner for Kate? Well, I mean, it's Rooney. Uh-huh. It's Rooney. And it, maybe that's a screen time thing. You know, they got a lot more time to to develop and build. And uh-huh. to ha- like they had more screen time. So there's more to pick from. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, it's kind of an unfair question. Why would you ask that? <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially when we're talking about the smoldering chemistry between... Yeah, it- between Rooney and Kate, yeah, nobody else will <laughs> will hold up to that. Absolutely, well, you're there, right. There is that best friend energy, and when they're sitting up in the alcove toward the end together, and and you know, and and she's asking Abby, Carol's asking Abby, how is Therese? Um, that's a really great scene. I mean, there's so much, there's so much friendship and tenderness and love there in that scene. Um. But I would say just based on like the amount of time that they had to develop their relationship, it's Rooney. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a great note to end on. Luke, you're a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for coming Aww. on Sundays with Kate. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was so fun. And before we go, Luke, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and your work? Sure. I guess the best place is Instagram. Uh, I'm at Luke Willis and I, I try to post my projects there. I don't, I'm not always the best about it. I'm not really great at it, but that is the best place to, to check me out. And you can see the film that I had at New Fest, which you programmed and we had a great Q and A for that. And cool boy. And then I, I do actually have some very exciting things that are dropping on Instagram in the new year that I will be screaming to the mountaintops from my Instagram account uh, about. So, All right. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So everyone, 
uh, make sure to check Luke's Instagram. Uh, what is your Instagram handle? It's at Luke Willis. Thank you. Thank you so much, Luke. And you can find me yeah. on Twitter at M-E underscore says and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. And until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>